Uh, Pastor mentioned it. We are in our series called I Am a Child of God. If you didn't realize that we are basing this series out of this book called I Am a Christian by Tom Rainier. I'll be quoting this a little bit today. If you didn't get a copy of this, we had it available in the foyer. We still have copies available. You can see my wonderful mother, Deb, who I'm not going to bash today, so we can say praise the Lord. But that's where this series is coming out of. Week one, Pastor talked about what it means to be a believer or using that word follower. Week two, uh, we got to celebrate the Cleveland Browns as I had my jersey on. Uh, That wasn't the point of the message. It was about being a team member. Pastor Joel did an amazing job taking us there. Last week, Pastor talked about what it means to be a disciple. And today we are moving on to being a servant. I am a Christian. I am a child of God saying, I am a servant. So I heard this story, Um, I'm gonna throw this down to you because it's gonna bother me the whole time. Uh, Thank you. Uh, There's this older gentleman and he was in the drive-thru at McDonald's. He was was quite old or seasoned, whatever word is not offensive to you. Uh, And he was having trouble ordering at the drive-thru order screen, talking through the box, just struggling. And there's this lady behind him And she was on her way to work. She's in a hurry. She's in a rush. And so she starts beeping her horn because this guy's just taking forever to order, like yelling out her window, come on. I'm sure none of us have ever done that. And so he finally finishes his order. He pulls up and she does her order behind him. He gets up to the window to pay and he decides that he's going to pay for his food and pay for her food. You know, maybe you've been at Starbucks or somewhere else and somebody's paid for your drink. Oh, that's so nice. And so the lady gets up to the window to pay behind him and she now realizes that this man she was beeping her horn at and screaming at has paid for her food. So now she's hanging out the window. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Right? She's so happy. She's trying to make up for what she did. And so the older gentleman, he pulls up to the window to get the food and he takes his receipt and he shows it to the lady, gives, gives him his food. And then he shows the receipt for the car behind him. And he takes her food too. <laughs> I mean, don't mess with old people at McDonald's. Maybe that's... That is not the type of servant I'm talking about today, okay? Not at all. Pastor reminded us in week one that our works don't save us, but they're such an important part of our journey with Jesus. We get saved, we say yes to Jesus, and then we have this ongoing growth in grace. We do things, we serve, we love because of what Jesus has done in us. Ephesians 2.9 says it this way. This is 9 and 10. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he has planned for us long ago. When we say yes to Jesus, these doors open and we can see the plan, the purpose, the future that God has for us. And when we say yes to Jesus, there's this, maybe you've noticed it around here. We talk about this in basics. We have this kind of in our, our language, house language. We say he's our savior and our Lord. When he is our savior, that means we've said yes to him. We've turned from our sins. The Holy Spirit has now come to live inside of us. But this word Lord, this lordship thing, It means that we're confessing he's God, we're acknowledging that he has all authority, but we're also willingly submitting to that authority. Or as I like to say, it's this ultimate yes. 
saying, whatever your will is. I prayed this last week in first service. Thy will be done. It's that type of thinking, that ultimate yes, is when we say, he's not just my savior, but he's my Lord. Does that, is that making sense? I'm laying some groundwork here for us this morning. And when you read in the New Testament and you come across this word for servant, it's doulos. I took one year of Greek, um, so I could maybe write this word for you. I did get an A. I saw my transcripts recently. But this word doulos is translated differently in some of the more, uh, some of the translations we have today. It's, it's translated either as servant or slave, which a lot of translations maybe shy away from that slave word because of all of the horrible implications that we've seen in our own American history, world history, the things that come along with slavery. But the, the, the word servant might not totally encompass what Jesus and Paul were really talking about in the New Testament. Tom Rainier says it this way. This is from page 59, if you want to check me on this. The word servant may not adequately communicate the depth of the meaning of doulos, through human, though human history has been marred with the blight of involuntary slavery, those who become doulos to Christ take on that role freely and with joy. This is that ultimate yes I'm talking about. They choose to come under the ownership of a master who is totally loving and giving. Slaves to Christ are not coerced. Far from it. Rather, we are compelled by joy to freely and fully submit ourselves to him. That's what I'm talking about. When we say servant, when we say slaves to Christ, this doulos thing, it's this, yes, I will do whatever you're calling me to do. And if we take that, that meaning of doulos, it brings a lot more depth and meaning and importance to when we read in places like Romans chapter six, and Paul says, you're no longer slaves to your sin. You're no longer willingly submitting to sin. No, Jesus has saved you for something so much more. That's just a rabbit trail, but I want it. It's so significant, this word. And we do this. We do this ultimate yes. We say yes. We can live this doulos type of life because Jesus gave it all for us. 1 Corinthians 6 20. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. My big idea for today, I'm making it easy for you, it's actually my two main points. But this is my big idea when we're thinking about I am a servant. It's this. It's not about me. And we get to serve. It's not about me. We get to serve. So that first thing, it's not about me. Have you ever maybe, I know this isn't such a big thing anymore, but gone Black Friday shopping? Anybody? Have you ever done that? Maybe you've been to Dollar One before. Anybody? I've seen some of you there before because I go to Dollar One. Or the Goodwill Outlet. There's a Goodwill Outlet in Canton. And I'm not joking you. There's these people that are there. Like, I think they might live there because... They stay up front, and then at a certain time point, they're like, everybody come back to the front. Leave the floor. So everybody goes back to the front of the store, and they roll out these new bins. And I'm telling you, these people are running. They're like scavenging through these bins at the Goodwill outlet. It's crazy. You should just go watch it sometime. It's entertaining. <laughs> or maybe you've lived with a two- and a four-year-old like me and my wife do in this season of life. This idea of it's not about me, it's counterintuitive to our culture. Can we, do we agree on that? 
really, it's counterintuitive to who we are as human beings. But it is so important to our walk with Jesus. It's so important. I love this story from Matthew chapter 20. Sorry, I was running a little bit there. Let me catch my breath. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just, I'm trying to have fun today. I hope that's okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 20. This story is so good. This is verses 20 to 28. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. These were two of the disciples. This is their mom coming to them. Maybe a little helicopter parenting. We won't go into that. (laughs) She knelt respectfully to ask for a favor. What is your request, Jesus asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right, the other on your left. But Jesus answered, saying to them, you don't know what you are even asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. The disciples had no idea what they were saying yes to there. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup. If you go further on, all of the disciples were crucified or killed in a certain way after Jesus was gone. So Jesus was saying, yes, you will. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared these places for those that he has chosen. Verse 24, here come the other 10 disciples around. When the other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. You've never been indignant before, have you? But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those who are under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. There's that doulos word again. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, It's not about you. Jesus could say, It's all about me. And really, that's what he was saying there. But he's saying, Follow my example. You need to become a servant, you need to become the least of these. Don't just try and come and get the best seat next to me in eternity, but just serve and love people right where you are. Don't flaunt the good things about your life, the things that you're so amazing at, how you have so much authority at your job or over your family or whatever that is. Just serve and love. How do we live this out? We serve other people. That's number one. Number two, we choose to be last. When's the last time that you intentionally chose to be last? There's a great book called Leaders Eat Last. Really good read. Makes me think of that. The third thing, be willing to sacrifice your life. And I'm not talking specifically dying for somebody, though there are many who have done that, both through military context. We're so thankful for that. But be willing to give up the things that you want and you think that you need in your life in order to serve and love somebody else. That's what Jesus was telling the disciples. I remember growing up, I learned this idea of it's not about me from a really young age. I remember going with my dad, who's there in the back row. He used to make cookies, still makes cookies, famous for his cookies. You can clap for those. 
Okay, he just had a happy mistake yesterday. He was making chocolate chip cookies and he put a jar of peanut butter in them. He's never done this since 1984. He was telling us last night, never in my life have I done this. They were incredible. But he used to make cookies, and we would go to Marie Uhler's house, and we would go to Jesse Butler's house, and we didn't know why we were with Dad or who these old ladies even were. But Dad just loved on these people. It wasn't about him, and he was teaching us. Mom would take us with her. She's delivering meals to people in the church, through the church, showing me continually, watching her serve on our staff for 45 years now you've been on staff. That was, a, that was a, almost a dig. But I've seen this in my parents through the way that they live their life. It's never been about them. They've had countless people in their home, serving them meals, loving on people. It's not about me. I learned this on mission trips in junior and senior high. Pastor Ben, I didn't get to greet him this morning but just between junior and senior high alone, I was able to go on seven mission trips. Belize, the Bahamas, New York City twice, Los Angeles to the Dream Center three times. And when you're sitting in downtown LA in this place that they call Skid Row, where there's about 5,000 homeless people crammed in just a few blocks, and you're sitting there as a teenager, and you have the opportunity to pray with somebody who is in the deepest, darkest moments of their life, you begin to so quickly realize that the world is so much bigger than just Andrew Heller or Worcester, Ohio or Wayne County. There's so much more to it. And it transformed my worldview even from a young age and I'm so thankful for that because in that moment I understood what Pastor Ben had been beating into us because this is something he said to us all the time on these mission trips. It's not about you, it's not about you. And in those moments I began to realize this has nothing to do with me. This life is not about me, it's about loving and serving people. To reiterate this, Romans 12, nine through 10. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. What an idea. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection, taking delight in honoring each other. Philippians 2, 3 to 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. We're talking countercultural again. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And I love this example from John 13. We're gonna have another section from this same chapter in a little bit, but in this later section of John 13, Jesus has just walked through part of the, the Last Supper with the disciples, and he just dipped the bread in the cup and he identified Judas as the one that was betraying him. You can read the whole context of it, John chapter 13. But we pick this up in verse 31. So right after this moment of betrayal is happening among the group of the disciples, as soon as Judas left, left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And skipping down, to verse 33, dear children, I will be with you only a little while longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. 
So, verse 34, now I am giving you a new commandment. Remember, this moment of betrayal just happened. It's so significant. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. There's so much more going on here where Jesus is confirming the Old Testament, bringing in the new kingdom. All of these things are happening in this moment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove the world that you are my disciples. Wow. That's pretty radical. But that's the truth of his word. It's not about me. Tom Rainier shared a story in this chapter four that I want to read for you because it's so powerful about this idea. He says, I remember witnessing an example of servanthood in an airport when a flight I was scheduled to take was canceled. Passengers were angry. The line at the counter to rebook flights was growing and growing. Some of us, us have lived this before. Many decided to take out their frustration on the agent at the desk. That is until the lady in front of me in line spoke gently to the woman. I know the cancellation is not your fault. I know you're doing all you can to help us. Please know that I am praying for you as you work through this mess. She said, and then, she then said a brief prayer before concluding with these words. I will step to the back of the line so that you can serve the others. There I was. The lady stepped away. And I was in front of the booking agent who now had tears in her eyes. She's right, I said. You are doing everything you can. Then I too left the line to go to the end. Where once again, I was standing in front of the lady and behind the lady, sorry, who had spoken kindly to the agent. I tapped her gently on the shoulder. Excuse me, I said. I hope you don't mind me asking, but are you a Christian? She paused, perhaps taken aback by my question, Yes, she said. How did you know? I smiled. She was a servant. That's how. I'm asking myself this question, but I'm asking all of us this question today. When was the last time somebody came up behind you and tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, are you a Christian? Just because of the way they saw you living your life for Jesus just because of maybe one simple act of obedience, one simple act of serving and loving somebody, one simple act of saying, it's not about me. I'm choosing to serve and to love. I'm preferring others before myself. That's a big challenge. Sorry, my notes got scrambled up here. Please give me one second. Um, I'll get there. There, we're good. Sorry. I'm trying to help us realize this morning that you have been here, you're here not by accident. You're in this time and at this place within this context of Worcester Nazarene to live out this life that Jesus is calling all, all of us to, this doulos servanthood type of living. And regardless of what anybody else is doing, regardless of what your spouse is doing or anybody else in your life is doing, you can start living this way today. So that brings me to number two, 
we get to serve. We get to serve. I learned this on those mission trips I mentioned to the LA Dream Center. I was there three times when I was in high school, and I've had the honor of leading two other trips back there as an adult. And this is something Pastor Matthew Barnett said all the time. They had it on T-shirts. They had banners about it that said, we get to serve. Serving should never feel like, well, I got to go and watch the four-year-olds again today, uh, which that some of those feelings might be real because they can be crazy, right? But it should never feel like that. Like, well, I got I to gotta go work in the coffee shop today, or I, I got to go help my wife do the laundry again. Like, oh, serving, pouring out, living like Jesus should never feel like a burden, Romans 15, 13, they don't have this on the screen because I added it late. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This serving thing, this I get to serve type of thinking comes from the overflow because of what we talked about, everything to this point, because of what Jesus did on the cross The very least that I can do is to serve and love other people. It's the very least I can do. I think about this sometimes, especially with people that are frustrating me in my life, which that could come under a a whole gamut of areas. But when I find a particularly difficult person, the Lord reminds me that he loves that person just as much as he loves me. And he died for that person just as much as he died for me. And that's what I'm talking about, this serving mindset. We get to serve. It's the very least that we can do. So when we say today, I am a child of God, really what we're saying is I am a servant. It's part of it. Galatians 5.13, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. This stuff is all over the Bible. Going back to John chapter 13, this is before the first passage we read, right as they're coming to the event of the Last Supper. But before it starts, Jesus spends a few moments and he washes the disciples' feet. And I want you to remember again that Jesus knew he was about to be betrayed by Judas, and he still washed his feet. Like That is so, it's amazing. It's incredible, the example of Jesus. But we pick this up in John 13. This is verses 12 through 17. And it says, after washing their feet, Jesus put on his robe again. He sat down, and he asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash others' feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. 
When we say yes to Jesus, when the Holy Spirit is active inside of our life, when we've said, you're not just my Savior, but my Lord, we've given that ultimate yes. Jesus is saying, you're signing up for all of this. And now we have this great honor of serving people, maybe in some of the ways that make the least sense to us as humans. Why would you wash the feet of somebody who's about to betray you and turn you over for death? Why would you serve somebody thinking in your context that maybe all they've done is spew hate at you and said horrible things about you, never thanked you for anything in their whole life. Why would you serve that person? Why would you love that person? Because that's who Jesus was. And that's who Jesus has called us to be. We get to serve. What I'm talking about today is really living out our values that we have here at Worcester Nazarene, we have five of them, but we have these two, kindness and generosity. These, these things I'm talking about are examples of how we can live those values out. I found this quick devotional read from Max Lucado. I don't know if you've heard of him. And he had this devotional entitled, Give Yourself Away. It says, nothing has such a positive impact on a person as giving to others. And people who have a giving spirit are some of the most positive people that I know. That's because giving is the highest level of living. And I want you to know, when we're talking about giving, we're not just talking financial. We're talking time, talent, treasure, tears, just giving it all away, serving people like Jesus. It's the highest level of living. They focus their time and energy on what they can give to others rather than what they can get from them. And the more a person gives, the better his or her attitude. Most unsuccessful people don't understand this concept. They believe that how much people give and their attitude about it are based on how much they have. But that's not true. I know many people who have very little and are tremendous givers. And I know people who have been blessed with money, good families, wonderful careers, who are stingy and suspicious of others. In life, it's not what you have that makes a difference. It's what you do with what you have. And that is based completely on an attitude. And I want to contend to you today that that attitude that Max Lucado was talking about is exactly this, it's not about me. I get to serve, it's not about me. So I would ask you today, how are you serving? Where is your serve? And as I was thinking about this this week, I just saw so many of you, your faces, so many of you serve here, I'm thinking, locally at our church. From the security team to those crazy four-year-olds that I was talking about, to everything in between, those of you running the cameras right now, the tech team, the worship team, the there's so many places. And I'm telling you, we are so thankful for you because this would not happen without you. We need you and we love you. And I wanna say personally, thank you for serving. But if you call Worcester Nazarene your home and you aren't serving yet, I would offer this question to you. What are you waiting for? And guys, you can put that slide up on the screen so it's up there for a few minutes. I'll talk about it in a second. What are you waiting for? I talked about our vision frame briefly, 
But in our vision frame, we have these four sides. I'm gonna go through this real quick for you. We have our mission of loving God, loving people, and living transform. That answers the question of what are we doing? We have these five values that answer the question of why are we doing this? Those five values are truth, worship, prayer, kindness, and generosity. And then we have this third side that says, okay, how are we actually doing this? We're doing this by gathering, linking, and thriving. And then the fourth side is called our measures. It's, it's saying, when are we successful? How do we know that this is working? And those five things are we are actually gathering, growing, giving, going, and genuine. That's when we know that the other three sides of the square, the vision frame, are working. But in the center of our vision frame, there's this thing that's this question of where is God taking us? And just recently, we've rewritten what's in there, and it's just three words, more to come, more to come. We believe, not just numbers-wise, but that there are people that need to hear about Jesus here in Worcester, Wayne County, the surrounding area online. And we believe that God wants to continue to use us as a church to reach those people. And so in that mindset, we believe that we need to keep scooting over and making room and we need to keep expanding our leadership and the people that are serving on our teams because we wanna make sure that we're ready when the harvest comes, that we're ready. We believe that there's more to come. And in that more to come mindset, again, I will say we need you to step up and to serve and to love and say, okay, it's not about me. I get to serve. So if you call this place home, what are you waiting for? There's this QR code you can scan. You can come talk to me, talk to my, my mom, Deb, at the info center. We would love to get you signed up to serve somewhere. There's a form you can fill out. All the details are there. And I want to be clear, I'm not just exclusively talking about serving here at Worcester Nazarene. Like, just come serve us, only serve us. It's not what I'm saying. I mean, we'll take you, but serve somewhere. Just start serving. Don't miss out on this part of your walk with Jesus because I'm telling you, it is so important. And I want to remind you of this. Please never disqualify yourself from serving because I'm too old or I've done this or I've said that or I, I can't do this or I can't do that. I'm telling you, no matter your age or stage or circumstance, God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you and it's real good. And he wants to use you right where you are. We just watched the Paw Patrol movie recently, the new one. Parents, can anybody say amen? And at the end of the movie, I won't give a lot of spoilers. I mean, they say this all the time, but they always say like, no pup is too small, right? But at the end of the movie, Sky has this moment. She says, even the smallest pup can have the biggest impact. And I sat in that movie. I was almost like crying. Like, what's wrong with me? I'm 36 in a kid's movie. But it hit me that if we could understand this, even the smallest serve could have the biggest impact on eternity. You might never even know it, but God is calling you to be obedient now, today. Even the smallest serve can have the biggest impact. I invite you to stand. I want to read one more 
parable for you today. And I'll leave you on this. This is Matthew chapter 25. Some of you have maybe heard this before. But I want to challenge you with this again. This is Jesus talking. He says again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two of two to another, and one bag to the last, dividing in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole and he hid the money in the ground. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. He said, master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. The second servant had a similar thing. And then the third servant in verse 24 with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting the crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid if I would lose your money, that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. I didn't write that story or tell that story. Jesus was telling that parable saying, this is how the kingdom of God operates. And so I would ask you today, what has the Lord given to you? And what are you doing with it? Not just financial. Please don't think that. Are you ready to stand up and boldly say, it's not about me. Today, I get to serve. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for your promise to us that no matter the season of life you are always wanting to live in and through us and so I pray that you would challenge us with that today that you would show us how we can live this out how we can adopt this mindset of humility saying God I, my ultimate yes it's just yes every day wherever you're calling me and you would help us to live it through the excitement of saying man I don't just have to do this but I get to do this because of everything Jesus has done for me. So we thank you for your word today. Thank you for how you're changing us. We love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.